Hello and welcome to the Crowdfunding Champions podcast. I'm Rob Wilson and my guest today is Jim Calder, the CFO of AlpineX. Now, many of you might have seen that late last year, Cedars announced that it was being acquired by US-based platform Republic. So I'm really excited to have Jim on the show today to share his advice after raising over $1 million on Republic. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time today. Well, thank you, Rob. Great to be here. Now, Jim, I'm an avid skier myself, so very excited to have you on the show today. And also, as our first Republic campaign that we've had, very much looking forward to our conversation. Now, for those who aren't familiar with AlpineX and your campaign that's currently live on Republic, would you be able to just give us a quick overview of the business and what you're looking to achieve? Absolutely. And thank you, Rob, for having me here. Great to hear that you're a snow sports enthusiast. We uh, welcome them uh, into our company or at all times. That's fantastic to hear. AlpineX is a developer of indoor snow sports facilities. What we're trying to do is make snow sports simply available to everyone by making snow sports more inclusive and accessible to everybody all year round. The way we do that is we build facilities that are close and convenient to metropolitan areas. We make them priced very affordably and we make them open year round. And that way, seasonality doesn't play into it as it does with traditional snow sports resorts. Just as importantly, we're trying to develop a resort that incorporates all those things, but also encompasses the entire community. So it opens up resorts into a more inclusive model that welcomes more people. We're deliberately inclusive as opposed to the traditional resort model. And we're trying to accomplish that to build snow sports and build community all around us at the same time. And Jim, from my research, I saw that you've had a long career in finance. Is this the first time that you've been exposed to crowdfunding? It is. It's interesting. You're right. I've had a pretty long career in finance, done a lot of just traditional different types of financing, debt, equity, everything in between that you can imagine. But up until about two years ago, I really had not been exposed to crowdfunding much. I've learned about it from members of our Alpine X team who had gotten some exposure to it from various things that they had been talking about, learned more about it. And we talked about it as a management team and thought, well, this is a really interesting avenue to look at for raising capital. And so what was the main reason why you decided to go down this route and to launch an equity crowdfunding campaign? Well, I think crowdfunding is fantastic for very nascent young companies like we are. We're a startup company. Our first resort will be open in a couple of years. We're just in the process of developing that now, and then it'll be open in a few years. But when you look at a company's life cycle and you look at how do you get people engaged with a company at an early stage, we looked at crowdfunding and said, this is a great way to reach out and actually engage people that are going to be maybe somebody like yourself, Rob, a future customer, a future user of our product. How do we get them more directly involved? And as I described, our mission is snow sports for everyone. And part of that mission is trying to build facilities that incorporate the entire community. And crowdfunding is a great way to execute on that mission. It allows anybody to buy into our company for basically less than the price it probably costs for a lift ticket on a weekend at an outdoor resort. So in those terms, we made it very accessible from an ownership standpoint, the same way we want to make snow sports accessible to people that want to participate in the sport, whether it's skiing or snowboarding or any of those types of things. So it fit in well with our ethos of what we're trying to do as a company, and it uh, fit in well with where we are in the life cycle of the company. And in terms of that life cycle, did you have any concerns about how investors would view this opportunity being the early stage that you're at? 
We spent a lot of time looking at other crowdfunding companies, and you're right, there's a mix of them. Some already are established and have a revenue model in place, but there are a fair number of other pre-revenue companies that gave us comfort that, gee, this is a very acceptable place to be in the crowdfunding model. I think crowdfunding inherently is very much about the background and the story and the plan for the company. And we had, I think, a good background. Great uh, management team, great team of players in place, and a very good plan for what we want to execute here in North America. So from that standpoint, we thought crowdfunding was a great platform for us to use. On the topic of team, I want to bring up Bodie Miller. How did that come about? (laughs) Bodie is great. He's been a fantastic addition to our team. We had reached out, for any of your listeners who don't know, Bodie Miller is on the U.S. side of the pond the most decorated U.S. men's alpine skier in history. Uh, Six Olympic medals, I think 31 World Cup victories, fantastic skier over the years. We'd reached out to Bodhi to basically just sound him out. We had a connection through our PR firm, who actually had done some work for Bodhi, and uh, they introduced us to Bodhi, had that connection. And we basically went to him and said, hey, we'd like to just understand your perspective on how can we make this product better. We described him what we're trying to do. He immediately told us that, gosh, this is something he's been trying to do for a long time. The number of skiers and snowboarders, at least here in the United States, has been a pretty static number for a long time. People that do it more than once or twice a year. And Bodie, obviously, has had a great career in skiing. It's meant a lot to him. He's been incredibly successful at it worldwide. He wanted some way for other people to enjoy what he has been successful at and has meant so much to him. And he said, hey, he saw us and what we described and what we were trying to build and realized this is a great way to execute on things that he's been working on for 20 years through other organizations and through the ski industry. It's just been a challenge because trying to get people to traditional resorts, it's expensive. They're only open a couple months a year. And it's just a difficult task. He realized by partnering with us and he became an early investor in us through the crowdfund, as a matter of fact that he could help execute on things that were really important to him personally and fitting exactly with what we were trying to accomplish as a company. So we're really lucky to have him on board. He's been a tremendous asset as our chief innovation officer, and I can't speak too highly of him. He's a tremendous individual. And do you think so far he's had a sort of personal impact on the campaign? I think so. I think so. I mean, obviously, we think we have a great company and a great story. But if you can align that with someone with the worldwide reputation of somebody like a Bodie Miller, clearly increases the, the your presence in the marketplace. And we felt that. We announced our formal relationship with Bodie in December, which was about the halfway point, roughly, of our crowdfund and have had tremendous traction since then and attraction to to potential investors. He's been great about that. And we've also leveraged that relationship to try to expand our messaging. Part of what we've started with Bodhi is a series of podcasts, of webcasts called The the Future of Snow Sports to touch on different topics. Uh, The Olympics, just before the Olympics, we had one on that. We had one just recently on inclusion and trying to, to get more people involved with snow sports, but it's been a traditionally less than inclusive sport for people. So Bodhi's been very engaged with that and using that relationship and his reputation and his marketplace awareness has been great for us to grow our own marketplace awareness. I note from your campaign that your first project is going to cost in excess of $200 million to complete, which is significantly more than the campaign target that you have currently set. How are you looking to raise the additional funds required for this project? 
Sure. Great, great question. What we're, our crowdfund is today and for our company today is for our AlpineX Inc., which is our management slash development company. So it's the company that's actually going to find sites and start the pre-development work for various locations around the United States. And as you mentioned, the first one is going to be in Fairfax County, Virginia, which is a site about 18 miles from downtown Washington, D.C. So right in the D.C. metropolitan area, a fantastic location. So we're working with our management development company where we're raising money in the crowdfund to do the pre-development work there. When it comes time to actually build the resort, we will have a separate entity that will go and raise money. As you mentioned, it's a couple hundred million dollars to build the resort. Some of the work that we've done on the management development company side to date will contribute into that entity and will be an owner in that entity. But that will be a separate capital stack and separate capital rate because, as you mentioned, it's a completely different capital dynamic. A a development management company requires a certain level of capital to go out and look at sites, negotiate with local governments, start architectural work, things like that, the preliminary stages of a resort. To actually build it, construct it, that's a completely different dynamic. So that will be a different set of capital that we'll raise at that point in time. And in terms of the preparation for the campaign, what did that look like? How long did it take? And, and what are the key things that you learned from going through that process? It's an interesting question because it was an interesting process because as I described, none of us have been through that before. I've been through a lot of public offerings. I've been through IPOs. I've been through debt offerings and things like that. But no one on our team, including myself, had been through a crowdfunding campaign. The good news was a lot of it is very similar to other offerings that I had done in the past and other members of our team had been involved with in the past. For example, drafting a lot of the legal documentation, it's called a Form C here in the States that you submit to the SEC. It's very similar to what we would have drafted for an IPO or a public stock offer here in the past. So I, in terms of format, there was some familiarity with what had to be get done, but we still found it necessary to reach out to and engage an attorney who specialized in the crowdfunding arena. And he's been fantastic, fantastic resource that, to help us really navigate these waters. Because again, it's not something we really knew about, but he helped us prepare the documents, draft those documents, answer any questions we had about how you conduct the offering, what you can say, what you can't say, all those sorts of things. And that whole process took, with everything involved with interviewing, crowdfunding, uh, intermediaries, drafting documents, getting our company administratively in order, those types of things, it probably took two to three months to get all that that in place. So it's not a simple or quick or a super easy process. But if you've gone through capital raising exercises before, I think most people will be familiar with the general steps that are involved. And one of these steps, which is crucial, is engaging your network before launch. Is this something that you did? Absolutely. We went out to our own personal networks and discussed the plan to raise money with a lot of people that we knew personally. And through those conversations, we were very confident that we had at least $25,000 that would come in immediately. And I think that's always laying that groundwork before you start the offering, really critical to success because I don't think anybody wants to open up an offering and then not have anybody contribute to it for a while. And our attorney uh, had stressed that to us as well. Make sure you get that groundwork in place, have that ready to go so that when you do open this thing up, you immediately see some results. It's good for the team here psychologically, and it's good for the external world, I think, psychologically as well. Say, hey, this is a company that already has has some traction, has seen some interest in in their offering. And so far, it seems to have gone very well. You've got over a thousand investors currently on your campaign. 
where have these investors come from? Do you have any insights as to the split between the platform or from your own community at all? That's a great question. It's a little difficult to tell. I mean, obviously, we get the full names of the investors on the Republic website as the people managing the campaign. We get to see the names of people, but we don't get any identifying information on them until the campaign closes. So obviously, names we recognize that are friends of ours or in our networks and things like that, we can clearly identify. But I think that's probably 5 to 10% of the people that are in the offering. I think the other 90% have come through being able to promote it on Republic, being able to promote it ourselves through this, that network of people out there that are looking for something interesting. We've promoted very heavily within the Washington, D.C. area because that's where we're planning to build our first resort. We want people that live in that community to be able to buy into this company because it's going to build a, a resort, a product that's near them that they can use or friends can use. We want people to be engaged with us that way. So we've uh, we've done a good job of trying to get involved with uh, events in the Washington, D.C. area that can positively influence or positively put us in front of potential investors. But really, it's been a collaborative effort of working a lot of our own personal networks, doing advertising, doing PR work, doing media work, all those types of things. I think pushing on all those fronts is what it takes to be really successful in a crowdfund. And have you managed this all in-house or have you relied on external agencies to support with that? I'd say it's been a mix of the two. We're, we're very fortunate. We have a couple of team members that are fantastic at the marketing, digital media, digital advertising areas. We've also reached out to some resources to supplement those as well. As I mentioned, we have a PR firm that we've used throughout this campaign, uh, Mag PR, which is a boutique PR agency. And they've been terrific. They're very focused on smaller growth companies, and we fit that bill. And they were very instrumental in getting us in front of a lot of national media, getting us media mentions in places that on our own, we probably wouldn't have been as successful at that placing. So it's really been that sort of collaborative effort. We were fortunate enough to have a lot of talent in-house. We don't have a huge team, but we have a lot of talent within that team. But we did supplement that with outside resources as well for just to get things done, particularly in this day and age, things like advertising on Facebook or Google ads or things like that. There are firms and people that specialize in nothing other than the analytics of those, giving advice as the best placement of those. So those kind of resources were instrumental in helping us get to where we are today. And just on that point, so in the UK, we have the the FCA, which uh, regulates uh, equity crowdfunding. And so anything that's put out is classed as a financial promotion has to be signed off by crowdfunding platform. Is that the same case in the US? Did you have to get the sign off from Republic before putting out any ads or was that not required? No, it's really not not required here, it, but it sounds like our rules are probably a little bit different. So we were able to develop our advertising in-house. Now, our initial crowdfunding page, it's on Republic. Obviously, we crafted all of that. That all had to get vetted by Republic. So everything that's public-facing on that, on our offering page, had to be vetted by Republic. We had to provide documentation for any claim that we made there, or any statistic or any amount that we had in there. So we went through that process with Republic. But with regard to actually the ads that we did, those are self-generated. We would bounce those off our attorney because obviously we want to make sure we're compliant with the SEC, which is, I think, equivalent to your FCA in the UK, our SEC regulations on what you can say and what you can't say in an ad. So we use that resource, our attorney, to bounce things off. 
But really, we were very free to craft what we thought were effective messages. And we played around with that a lot in terms of trying to figure out what was the best messaging and most effective messaging for us. One thing I noticed on your campaign is that you've included rewards as part of the investment, which I've you know, interviewed other, other campaigns. It has been highly successful for them, and I'm sure that the same for you. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about the rewards that you've gone for and, and I guess the reasons why you decided to include rewards as part of the campaign? Sure, sure. I think perks is a, the commentary name for them or rewards are over here in the States of perks. They're very common on the crowdfunding campaigns. And I think, again, they're just a great way to initially engage people. If they can say, hey, I can contribute even at the lowest base amount and get some level of discounts on the product or some involvement with the product, or I contribute a little more, I can get a hat or a t-shirt or a piece of clothing or something like that. And you just cheer it up and up and up. And so the higher you go in terms of contribution, the more rewards you get, the more value you get out of the rewards. And again, it's not maybe economically super significant to anybody. Getting a t-shirt is relatively a small bit to a person. But if you get a t-shirt that says Alpine X or a hat that says Alpine X, I think it's a great way for them to advocate for your brand a little bit more, feel more attached to your brand a little bit more. So I think rewards are a great way to execute on that and a great way to get people involved and have them say, hey, I want to be involved with this company for not just this offering, but going there, experiencing what they have to offer, experiencing their products, getting discounts because I was an early shareholder and I get these special discounts. It's a great feeling for the shareholder and it's a great feeling for us to have those people as long-term advocates for us. For sure. And I think it's very reminiscent of the early days of Kickstarter, for example. You know, A simple gesture of a t-shirt can go a long way. And as you say as well, that there's added value if those individuals go out and they wear those t-shirts and then it's great for, for brand awareness as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. The best thing about crowdfunding isn't that the amount of capital you raise is tremendous, of course. It's great. It helps the company. It helps our growth plan. But just being able, as you mentioned, we're up to almost 1,100 individual people that have invested in the crowdfund so far. Just to think that we've been able to engage and motivate that number of people a lot of, uh, as I mentioned before, 90% of whom we probably have never met and haven't interacted with. I think it's just a great testament. It's a great testament to what's possible in this day and age in terms of uh, raising capital from a platform like this and being able to reach out to people and have them learn about and have an opportunity to invest in something in an earlier age they never would have been exposed to. I think that's great. For sure. And Jim, in terms of the process so far, what has been the most challenging part? And is there anything that you can think of that you would do differently if you were to launch another campaign again? That's always a terrific question. In terms of challenges, I think just when you are pre-revenue like we are and pre-product, we're in a development stage, early development stage of resorts. We don't have a resort open. I think that's the challenging part of a campaign coupled with over in the UK, across the pond, you folks are lucky. You have a fair number of indoor snow sports facilities available to you, either in the UK and in Europe. So people are generally familiar with the product. Here in the US, we only have one indoor snow sports facility that's open right now up in New Jersey. Another company is operating. So a lot of people weren't very familiar with our product. So when we talked about year-round snow sports resorts, there was an education process to get through with them. Getting over that hump, I think, and telling people what we're about when we and demonstrating what we are planning to do 
when we don't have a resort open for a while, I think that was the most challenging part of what we're trying to do. We try to combat that through our messaging, through what we describe on our offering page. I think we did a good job there. But again, trying to describe to somebody something that they haven't experienced before. A few folks have probably been across the pond and had a chance to go to some of the indoor facilities there, but a lot of people haven't. So there's a little bit of head scratching when we first started. Gee, what the heck are you actually talking about? What are you trying to build here? That was the challenging part of what we did as an offering. Yeah. So hopefully next time, if you do decide to launch another campaign, then you won't have that problem. Yeah, I think you're right. We're further down the road than we were when we started this in September of 2021. We've educated a lot more people. So I think you're right. We've gotten our message and frankly, we've honed our messaging a lot. We've gotten our message out to a lot more places, a lot more venues through media and through our own campaigns. So I think you're right. If we do another future campaign like this, I think we're much further ahead than we were at the start of this one in terms of people understanding what we're trying to do and what we're trying to build. And at this stage, do you see yourself launching another campaign in the future? I think it's very possible. We we really embrace this idea of trying to be part of a community and trying to build a community, both in terms of people who are going to experience our resorts and frankly, the people who are going to own our company. We really want that to be the case. Our current crowdfunding campaign ends in about two weeks. So it is going to come to an end here. Following that, we're going to look at crowdfunding as a potential means either for our development management company, which we're raising money right now, or as we build these individual resorts, as I mentioned, we'll probably have separate entities set up for those and raise money for those. It's very possible that there's a crowdfunding component to all of those. So in addition to people owning a piece of the overall development management company, they could own pieces of individual resorts as well. We're going to look at that as an avenue. Because I think that would be a terrific way if we're going to build in, just pick a city, Dallas, Texas. If people in Dallas, Texas want to own a piece of that resort, it'd be great to offer that through a crowdfunding opportunity or Washington, D.C. or Denver, Colorado or wherever. So we'll certainly look at that going forward. Great to hear. And Jim, you obviously launched your campaign on Republic. Now, I know that there are other U.S. platforms out there. Was there any particular reason why you decided to go with Republic? Well, we frankly looked around a little bit ourselves on the internet and explored who had done crowdfunding campaigns of size. We were hoping to raise a million dollars plus. So we want to look for people, platforms that were pretty good at doing things of size. We spoke with our attorney who I mentioned. He has incredible background experience with dozens of, I think literally dozens of different platforms that have done crowdfunding. So we picked his brain a little bit for advice on that. We talked to interviewed three or four of the larger crowdfunding platforms out there. And Republic, uh, we felt very comfortable with. They've done a number of other, we're not exactly a real estate company, but they've done some other real estate oriented work. So we felt very comfortable with that. We liked the team members we met. We liked the, we looked at other companies that were raising through Republic and other companies. And so it was an evaluation process, took a little bit of time, but we wanted to make sure that we found a company that fit us well, that we fit in well with, that we were comfortable with, and frankly, could execute on what we were trying to do. And Jim, do you have any top tips that you'd like to share to other entrepreneurs that might be thinking about launching a crowdfunding campaign? Well, I guess the most important tip is that, and I think it doesn't apply exclusively to crowdfunding, I think it applies to almost anything you do, but it certainly applies to crowdfunding, is try to surround yourself with a team to flesh out the things that you're 
if you're an individual entrepreneur or even a team of entrepreneurs, you're never going to know everything you need to know about everything. And crowdfunding, we knew we didn't know a lot about various aspects of crowdfunding. And that's why, as I mentioned, we reached out to a, a PR firm. We reached out to an attorney. We reached out to other people that had done crowdfunding campaigns because we wanted to educate ourselves and just get better and fill in the gaps that we had so we could execute better. So I think defining what you need, what your gaps are, and where people can fill in to help you is important. And also defining what you want to accomplish from the crowdfunding campaign. As I mentioned, one of our primary reasons, raising capital, always a primary reason, always important, but a primary reason was really to engage a bunch of potential customers, potential lifelong advocates for what we're trying to do. And we view that as very important and we viewed it as very consistent with what we're trying to build as a company. So that's really why we engage crowdfunding. And I would just... uh, I would encourage people to define what they want to try to accomplish through the crowdfunding in addition to just the capital raising. I think that's really important because crowdfunding, it's like any capital raise. I don't make crowdfunding sound any more any easier or more difficult than any capital raise. Anytime you're trying to sell an idea, to sell a company, to raise money, there's a degree of difficulty involved. But I think if you can define what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it through crowdfunding, I think that makes the process a lot easier. That's really good advice and a great way to end the show. Jim, where can we find out more about AlpineX? Anybody can find our website on the internet at alpine-x.com. Our offering page is at ownyourmountain.com. And that offering is live for about another two weeks. Fantastic. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Rob. This has been great. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more advice, head over to crowdfundingchampions.com and be sure to subscribe for the latest interviews. 